If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And much of the country is bracing for what could be a wild weekend. And that is because of these threats that are coming against many of the Supreme Court justices after that leaked opinion. And also many of the Catholic churches around this country are really, really concerned because the rhetoric has just really ramped up and they are planning now a couple of these like far left groups are planning what looks to be basically very, very vocal. And let's hopefully they just stay vocal protests uh, at different churches on Mother's Day this Sunday. And in fact, St. Patrick's Cathedral is adding extra security. A number of churches literally around the country are adding extra security. What a way to spend Mother's Day. You know, you want to go in there and you want to bring mom and appreciate the day and count your blessings. And then suddenly in the middle of it all, you're going to have these wild screaming protesters that could potentially come in and disrupt certainly the mass and certainly your Sunday too as well. What do you make of the fact that now the temperature on the far left is just so out of hand and so crazy and so out of control that they are telling people to go and disrupt mass this weekend, to go into these Catholic church during services, go in and disrupt the proceedings. Can you imagine? Well, it sounds like a number of them are going to happen. And then in addition to that, go to the homes of these Supreme Court justices that you don't like the decisions of. To me, this is such rule by mob. I hate it. I just think it's horrible. I don't think... You know, I think, listen, I am all for peaceful protest, guys. I love the idea of peaceful protests. I think it's a great thing, and I think it's also a very positive thing, and that's what America is all about. It's all about these great peaceful demonstrations, people of different opinions. People are not happy. Some are very happy. You get that's what America is all about, and that's what different opinions are all about, and that's a discussion point. But to actually go to where you are disrupting a mass and disrupting a sacred service and coming in and potentially shouting really vile things um, and just riling up the crowd and causing just such angst. Uh, I don't think that that's appropriate. To me, it is so far over the line and so inappropriate. And tonight, I want to take your calls on this. What do you think? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Do you agree with me that this is just way over the top and, to me, completely 
inappropriate, no matter how you feel on the issue, to go in and to disrupt a church service and to go to the homes of the justices that you don't agree with, that are Catholic, by the way, um, and go to their homes and stand in front of their houses and shout vile things and shout things at their family members and their kids. To me, this is so out of control. And that's what a number of these groups are saying. They're actually putting it out there on social media and saying, hey, here's the address. And in fact, they even have maps out there saying, hey, here's where you want to go. Here's to the house you want to go to this particular justice. Here's to the other one. All the ones that wrote the opinions, that draft opinion that has made headlines, obviously, around the world. And again, it's not even a final decision. It's not, you know, it's not even set in stone at this point. And all it would do, essentially, by the way, again, is put it back to the states. The issue goes back to the states. And listen, there are people who are passionate on all sides of this issue. But to go and disrupt a church service... And to shout vile things and then to go to people's homes, this is out of control. And to me, I think it is way, way too far. And I want to hear your thoughts about it. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. By the way, we got a blockbuster show tonight and a lot of big hot-button issues, including this one. Also, later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Jenny Terre. And Jenny is a great correspondent with the Daily Caller. And she actually was there in D.C. when some of those migrant buses that crossed the border, remember, and then Governor Abbott of Texas put them on buses, and then he sent them over to D.C., a number of them. And you always kind of wonder, where do these migrants end up? Well, Jenny Terre was there to greet a lot of these migrants, and she asked them, hey, where are you from? How'd you end up here? Where are you planning to go? Do you have a sponsor? Uh, how did this work out for you? Uh, you know, what do you think of being in this country? I mean, there's all these questions. How'd you get? How was the long journey to get there? And where are you planning on going now? Which has always been the big question. So she's going to blow the lid off all of that. And she's going to be joining us later on in the hour. And also, by the way, in the next hour of the show, you have heard a lot about soft on crime DA George Gascon. George Gascon makes Alvin Bragg look like, uh, you know, look like Rudy Giuliani. I'm telling you, George Gascon is like Mr. Soft on Crime City. He's like super softy. And so George Gascon is now saying, well, the attacker of comedian Dave Chappelle, don't worry about it. We're just going to give you a little misdemeanor. No big deal. The guy came on stage and potentially was about to, like, kill him, potentially. I mean, he had this, like, gun with a knife in the gun, this fake gun. It's just, I mean, it could have been very serious. But luckily, security tackled the guy. But anyway, it is just an unbelievable case. And George Gascon, there are a series of cases where he has given repeat offenders in particular a major, major pass. And we're going to talk about that and crime, unfortunately, that is skyrocketing across the country, not just in Los Angeles where George Gascon is, but in New York where overtime is just skyrocketing for the NYPD. Because guess what? There is so much crime. So if we took care of repeat offenders and had tougher on crime DAs, maybe we wouldn't have as much of a revolving door. And we're going to talk about that. And John Hatami, who actually works for George Gascon 
and is pushing to get him recalled because he just says he is so dangerous and dangerous for the community because of his policies. He is going to be joining us. You don't want to miss that. And that's going to be in the next hour of our show. Meantime, here is Senator Chuck Schumer expressing his fury over the leaked opinion from the Supreme Court. And he says it is the be all end all and it is war, basically. Take a listen. I am just, I cannot tell you the outrage I feel at this decision and the outrage I feel that Republicans who did it won't own up to it and duck it. It's despicable. And he's not alone. That fury is also relayed to Elizabeth Warren. Listen to her. Well, I am here because I am angry and I am here because the United States Congress can change all of this. Yes, it is. And then Elizabeth Warren and a number of these other liberal Democrats are really taking it a whole other step further. Not only are they expressing and trying to rile up the base. By the way, they've never condemned the riots that took place in 2020, the summer of love. Remember all that destruction that took place around the country. And so we got all that as a backdrop. Now you've got the fury of this. And she and many other Democrats, including President Biden, who's never condemned the leaker so far. He doesn't seem to have a problem that somebody leaked it out. And now they are basically saying that this opinion goes well beyond even Roe v. Wade going back to the states to decide. This is basically a slam on gay rights. It's a slam on, like, segregation. I mean, you should hear all the things that they are assuming come with this decision, none of which have anything to do with this opinion at this point. Not at all. It's outrageous when they take it to all these other steps. Listen to her today. This is Elizabeth Warren. She was on The View, and she says basically every single right any human being has ever had in America, that's all going to be taken away by the Republicans. Boy, are they playing politics with this. So when you read Justice Alito's opinion, what he focuses on is history. And he says, we don't have to protect uh, access to abortion because historically we haven't had that access. Boy, that ought to make your gay friends nervous because we don't have a long history of protecting equal marriage. We don't have a long history of protecting interracial marriage. We don't have a long history of protecting access to contraception, all of those things that we have now counted on and said that's the America we are, could potentially, under Justice Alito's own analysis, go out. This is the reason we cannot have a right-wing fringe court. Yeah, fringe court. And remember, also, President Biden took it even one step further. He said the whole MAGA movement is the most extreme political movement in recent American history. This is from the president who claimed that he was the unifier and chief. Is there anything unifying about that? Smearing tens of millions of people in one fell swoop. It's like the basket of deplorables comment. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman on line four. Norm, your thoughts about this? (laughs) Hi, Rita. Uh, Look, I believe in the First Amendment. But if trespassers came into my house of worship, in my case, the synagogue, while I was praying, I hit them with a chair over the head. Wow, you're tough. Norm, you're tough. You you wouldn't, like, bring out a boxing glove? 
No, I would use whatever um, what, whatever uh, chair or uh, heavy book I find to slam them over the head. Well, now because let me ask, and Norm, obviously, like nobody condones violence, but let me ask you, if they came there and they were peacefully protesting, you know, and standing, say, on the church steps and then started walking down the aisles, but they were peaceful, you know, they were they were vocal but peaceful. Is that okay with you? I, I might still hit them over the head with a chair. Uh, they got it basically. You, if they're outside and they're protesting outside, look, I'm a protester. <laughs> I, 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 I accept that they have an opinion. If they want to protest outside the synagogue or outside the church, fine. But if they're going to come inside the synagogue, inside the church, inside the temple, uh, uh-uh, all bets are off. They're getting messed up. Now, Norman, um, you mentioned that you're a protester. I remember you've called in and you've talked about when you were doing, you were doing a lot of the anti-vax, anti-mask mandates, all that stuff. Um, were there ground rules when you guys went out and protested? Like, I, I want to hear from like sort of the insider on the protester, because as you pointed out, you've done a number of protests. Did you ever say, OK, listen, we're going to go out there. We're going to vocalize. We're going to do this. But we want to make sure we don't get into any trouble with X. Right. Okay. Uh, we don't go after anybody personally. Uh, when we would do our marches, I mean, we marched from God uh, from up up in Times Square down to City Hall. We did several of those. People would be yelling at us. I had a couple of spitters or anything. We were told, "Don't answer." Just you know, uh, don't you know? We would say usually the answer would give them is, "Oh, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. This is it. We don't. You know, we don't. You don't engage." Wait. Don't did you say spitters? Did you say spitters? Yeah, we had a couple. I had a couple of spitters at me. Yeah. Yikes. That's kind of scary, especially uh, when COVID was at its height. That's really scary. Yeah, there's spitters. We're, 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 uh, we're anti-mandate, you know, we're, we're there and, you know, they're supposed to be upholding uh, hygiene and wearing masks and they're spitting at us because they didn't like what we had to say. Wow. Well, Norman, uh, for the record, I'm anti-spit. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> I'm anti-spitting at somebody. Um, but Norm, you know, that's interesting. And, and I like to hear your perspective because you've been out there on peaceful protests. Um, do you expect the same from the left in this case, or do you think things are going to get out of control when you start saying, hey, show up at a church on Sunday, um, here's the different churches, or here's even the justices' homes? Uh, do you think things are going to escalate, unfortunately? Sure. They're going to try to, okay, they're not going to stay peacefully outside the home. They're going to try to engage. They're going to try to go on the, you know, on the person's property. They're going to try, look, I've seen when BLM did, did protests in neighborhoods in Middle Village, Queens, they went there because that's where a lot of cops lived. So they went there and they uh, busted up some windows and some cars. They went up on people's uh, uh, they looked for American flags hanging to pull off American flags off of people's porches, things like that. No, the American left is about engagement. It's about it's about they have their eye on the prize and they're going to get it by any means necessary. And some of the rhetoric, too, I mean, has been just unbelievable coming from this different group, too. Um, here's here's one of the comments, too. And Norm, thank you very much for the call, Norm. Um, here's one of the comments from this group It's called Ruth Sent Us. And they're one of the ones who publish, by the way, the home addresses of the justices in the opinion that they were not happy with in that draft that got leaked. 
And they say that we must rise up to force accountability using a diversity of tactics. I mean, that's really concerning when you hear that kind of rhetoric um, and you give away people's home addresses. To me, this is this is so over the top. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Do you think this is outrageous? I actually, first of all, think that all the Supreme Court justices deserve 24-7 security. Um, and I think the bill should go to Elizabeth Warren and maybe Maxine Waters and Chuck Schumer after hearing some of their rhetoric. And also Kamala Harris this week was riling up the crowd, too. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Well, you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show, and I think justices are not having the time of their life, despite what you're hearing from ABBA there, because, boy, things are getting really heated at their homes. Their home addresses have been given out to protesters who, according to this group, and again, let me tell you the name of this crazy group, it is called Ruth Sent Us, named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, And they have literally gone online, published their home addresses, said, show up, basically wreak havoc if you can, and then also do the same during church services this weekend because six of the justices are Catholics and they're not happy with that. And they want to go after these people who are staunchly against Roe v. Wade or at least believe that it's not in the Constitution that it should go back to the states. And they're not happy with the decision. And if you don't give the decision that the mob wants on the left, well, then they go to your churches. They go to your homes. They go after you. And to me, this is so over the top and so dangerous. Take a listen. Mike Huckabee, this is what he thinks about these home addresses coming out of the highest court justices. I think he really should tell the people that this is not an appropriate form of protest. If they want to go outside the Supreme Court where these people work, that's fine. But going to their homes is inappropriate. It's uh, it's dangerous. And it's not a precedent that we should start. And the president ought to be very forceful and say, this is the kind of thing that leads to a real insurrection where government agencies are prevented from doing their jobs. Yeah, it is getting really dangerous. And the president should say, Do not do this. If you want to peacefully protest outside the Supreme Court, if you want to do that, go ahead and do it. But don't go to inside church services. Don't go to their homes. But he is not condemning it, nor is his press secretary, who's only there for a little bit longer, Jen Psaki. They're not condemning it. And to me, that is so irresponsible of the president of this country. He has a responsibility to make sure that everybody's safe and that these protests remain peaceful. That is outrageous. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Jan on line four. Jan, your thoughts about all this? Uh, Yeah, I think that uh, if they do that and they disrupt the uh, church services, uh, it should be labeled a hate crime. Obviously, these people hate the Catholic religion. They hate Catholics. They hate uh, the um, theology of the Catholic Church. That's a hate crime. Yeah, it's that's a very anti- good point. It's also it's also anti-American. Well, it is. And there's something I just think so unseemly, Jan, too, about it in the sense that people will take it to the church and that people will go into a service. It's Mother's Day on Sunday, and yet they're going to go into a service and they don't think there's anything wrong with that. They don't think there's anything wrong with putting out 
the Supreme Court justices' home address and terrorizing them at their families. I mean, to me, this to me is so hypocritical because, you know, if it was on the other foot, they would go crazy. If for some reason, can you imagine a conservative group said, "Okay, well, here's the address, you know, of Sonia Sotomayor. I mean, that would be outrageous. Everybody should condemn that. And everybody should be condemning what this group is doing. And the sad thing is they are fueling the flames. That's a great analogy, Jam. Thank you. Let's go to Robert in Westchester County. Robert, your thoughts on line one. Go ahead, Robert. Thank you. So I watched it all day long after the uh, leak came out. And the first thing I saw on TV was Chuck Schumer with all the usual suspects lined up and they were ready to go. And it looked like a hit job to me. It looked like it was all set up. This is the second time that Chuck Schumer threatened the Supreme Yes, Court. you know what? You're right. You're right, Robert, because he also was like, you know, Gorsuch. Remember, he was screaming, Kavanaugh, we're coming for you, basically, if you don't go our way. And you're absolutely right. It was interesting because they were there on the Supreme Court steps, a lot of the protesters, and it looked like well-made signs for news that just broke a few minutes before. We're going to continue talking about this and talk about the border after the break. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment where we honor law enforcement and their families, an amazing story that comes out of Boiling Springs Lake, North Carolina. And not even a day after celebrating Easter, a family's home is destroyed by a fire. They say they wouldn't be here if it weren't for the responding police officer. Jody Sharpneck, who's a mother of two, said, we got woken up with loud pounding and it was like three in the morning. I shot straight up and didn't know what was going on asleep in her room with her four-year-old. She had no idea that a brush fire was raging just outside of her home. And in just seconds, the room that they were sleeping in was full of flames. So she went into the living room and she saw a cop standing there. She said, hey, it's like you guys need to leave. You need to leave. They were shouting and rushing her and her family out. Boiling Springs Lakes police officers Shane Benfield and Christina Hearn responded to the scene after a neighbor happened to take his dog outside and saw the massive fire. Imagine that. That night... We had very high winds and it was dry conditions, one of the officers said, and we knew the urgency of trying to get to that area and making sure no houses were in jeopardy. And we saw this house and knew we had to react immediately. Meantime, the resident says that her family couldn't be more thankful for how things turned out. She said that they are angels, these officers, uh, and she praised them. She looked at them and she said, you may have been doing your job, but I truly believe that God sent you to save us. Really incredible that an officer just happened to be nearby and saved her and her family. And it's a great example of how important our men and women in blue are and the extraordinary work that they do each and every day to protect all of us. Well, there are a lot of people that are at the border protecting this country, but they are just feeling flooded. They are overworked. They're feeling overrun. And this is just the beginning because there's a very good chance that Title 42, which is that health care provision, is going to be lifted at the border later this month. It's supposed to potentially be lifted. It's getting adjudicated in the courts, but it's scheduled at this point for May 23rd. And already 
in the month of March, we had the highest amount of immigrant encounters, of migrant encounters, illegal encounters coming to our border, migrants coming in. In history, we had 221,000 in the month of March, and we are expecting that in April it's going to be even more. If you think March, historic numbers, we haven't gotten the April numbers yet because, you know, obviously the month just wrapped up. But when we get the April numbers, people who work at the border expect that it's going to be even more. And they are really worried and really bracing for what's ahead at the border. Take a listen. Here is Congressman Brian Mast talking about that. This is the only COVID policy that Democrats want to get rid of is the one that keeps people from coming into America illegally. It's the only one they want to get rid of. Otherwise, they want to make sure you continue to wear masks, that you're kicked out of the military if you don't get a vaccine still and other things like that. This is the only one they want to get rid of. Why? Because they fundamentally believe in open borders, in letting people come across those borders without without getting a COVID test or anything else, without worrying about the drugs they bring across, the fentanyl, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, everything else that's going along with it. They don't worry about those things. It's an America last policy. It's exactly the opposite of what Donald Trump had in place with America first policies remain in Mexico. And that's just where that party is at. People right. try to try to understand, well, why would they do this? That's why. That's where their party yeah. is at. They're the party of open borders. They are the party of open borders. And our next guest, Jenny Terre, spent some time with a lot of the migrants who came on those buses. Remember, Governor Abbott of Texas was putting the migrants on the buses. He said, I want to send a message. I want to get these folks who are coming, crossing the border, that are being dumped in Texas and Florida and everywhere else. I'm going to put them on buses and bring them to the nation's capital. So maybe the president and those in Congress will take a look and see what they are doing in the amount. And he has sent buses after buses after buses to set an example. And our next guest, Daily Caller reporter Jenny Tear, talked to a number of those migrants. That's extraordinary reporting by her. And you've got to take a look also at her Twitter feed. It's Jenny S. Tear, J-E-N-N-I-E-S-Tear, T-A-E-R, because she's got some powerful videos showing her conversations with these people as they're getting off the bus and describing where they're from. Here is a little bit of that. Here's one of the migrants and their family after they got off one of the buses talking to Jenny. Take a listen. A donde vas, Miami? A donde vas? New York. A donde son? Venezuela. Venezuela. And then here is another group that she talked to. Take a listen. Here's a little more. De donde son? Cuba. Cuba y Venezuela. Cuba y Venezuela. A donde vas? And he's thinking he's probably going to go to Florida. So you heard one from Venezuela, one from Cuba, but it didn't look like they were sticking around in Washington, D.C. And joining us now is great correspondent who covers the border and immigration issues, among a number of other things. Jenny Tear with The Daily Caller. Jenny, thank you for being here on the show. Thanks, Rita, for having me. You know, your report, they're so powerful. I was just telling everybody to check out your Twitter feed because you have on your social media, you see these conversations with them. And they're coming with, you know, in some cases it's just guys, in some cases it's family members. 
Tell me about some of the most profound conversations because you're meeting them as they're getting off the bus. This is a group of migrants. Most of them don't speak English. We could hear you speaking Spanish with them. Um, so they get off the bus. Um, and what do they say to you as the reasons that they're there? Yeah, so I will say it was really impactful to speak with them and to actually understand their stories. And one of the most striking stories was this group from Angola, Africa, who was traveling with young children, one as young as eight months old. That that really stuck with me because if you think about it, their journey was just extremely long. It's it's very different from when uh, from these migrants from Cuba who also have long and difficult journeys and and ones from Venezuela who were also there. I, I know the, the man from Cuba I spoke with uh, said he was beaten by Mexican police and showed me the scars on his body and his face. As far as, you know, what's happening with these migrants, where they're going, they're going all over, like you said. Um, and they, you know, I, I spoke with a number of them. They're, they're going to Maine. That, that was a big one with, uh, the migrants from Angola. They're all going to Portland, Maine. Uh, the ones from Venezuela, like you said, we're going to New York. Um, and you actually played some audio from this man from Cuba who was saying actually in, in Spanish and I'll kind of translate is, he was saying that he had a contact for his group that they were heading to New York, um, but then they actually uh, their contact fell through and they ended up uh, deciding to go to Florida to go to Miami, which is interesting because that was something that when Governor DeSantis in Florida got word of earlier about some of these migrants from Abbott's buses going there. Uh, he said, do not come here at all, had kind of a zero tolerance statement. That was the state of Florida's message to them. So it was really interesting actually speaking with them, understanding that they really aren't staying in D.C. It was very emotional for them. They were very excited. They were taking selfies. There was one young kid that got off the bus and was just taking videos of everything around them. They kept asking me what different buildings were. Um, It was truly an incredible scene. Yeah, it is absolutely incredible. I have so many questions for you, Jenny Terre, and we're talking to Jenny Terre, correspondent with The Daily Caller, who's greeting these migrants who Governor Abbott is putting on buses. They're arriving in the nation's capital. Um, first off, do they know why they ended up in the nation's capital? Do they understand what the reason was? Did you get a chance to ask them why, you know, because we know Governor Abbott's doing to send a message clearly to members of Congress and the White House, too. Sure. So that's something I actually spoke with in a non-governmental organization based in Del Rio, Texas, which is the last stop the buses make before they take the 36-hour trip from Texas to Washington, D.C. And they were telling me that the buses are offered as just another option for migrants. You know, often these non-governmental organizations facilitate travel. So they will give them, you know, opportunities. Hey, you can take a Greyhound bus to San Antonio. You can get a flight using this website through this airline, Uh, different options that they're given. And so now these buses Abbott has offered is is another option for them. I'm not sure if they're aware, and I didn't get the sense that they were, that this is, you know, something that Abbott proposed and that Abbott is wanting, you know, to put migrants basically on Biden's doorstep. I didn't really get that sense. I got the sense more that they were just happy to be there um, and that it was actually kind of a step 
uh, getting them to their final destination. You know, what's amazing, Jenny, and there's a lot of layers to this, but you mentioned the guy from Mexico who says he was beaten by the police in Mexico. Um, You hear of these extraordinary journeys that they take. I always tell people, you know, I want people to come here legally, but I also understand why people want to come to this country. I want a more secure border and I want better protections because I care about the security of this country. But I also understand why migrants want to come to America. It's the greatest country on the world, you know. Um, talk about mm-hmm. some of these extraordinary journeys, I mean, uh, that he went through. And I'm sure some of the others um, also had extremely difficult journeys uh, to get here. You mentioned the one from Angola. My goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And right now, that's a really big concern at the border. Uh, We're seeing a lot of drownings, actually, in Del Rio sector, which is very close to Eagle Pass, where that National Guard soldier recently drowned and his body was recovered days later. Um, It's something we're seeing, actually. I just got an alert from Border Patrol uh, just maybe an hour ago that a body of a child who actually was uh, from Angola Uh, Just like these migrants I spoke with who had drowned um, along with uh, their sibling in the Rio Grande River, the tide is extremely powerful. Um, The water can often be very high um, and also very polluted. And, of course, what we know is that the smugglers don't care. Once they get their cash, they don't care about the fate of migrants. And that's the really tragic part about all of this, because it is so refreshing and so beautiful to know that people really value this country and what it has to offer freedom. You think about Cuba, you think about Venezuela, you think about West Africa, countries where people don't have the same rights, the same freedoms. And it is really beautiful to see. I always get emotional when I speak with them because you can just see it in their eyes. And it's something that, unfortunately, a lot of people here don't appreciate. Um, So I will say it's a testament to that. What about um, talking to law enforcement on the flip side who just feel so overwhelmed? I've talked to a number of border agents, and I know I'm sure you have too, um, probably many of them, Jenny. And they are just so overrun. They're so uh, concerned of what's going to happen when Title 42 is lifted. What are you hearing from them in general about enormous concerns? Because it's already a crisis there at the border. We're getting these enormously record numbers of crossings. There's a lot of gotaways, you know, not even just the ones that they come in contact with, like the ones that came on the buses that uh, you so powerfully talked to. Uh, But there are so many of them that they just can't even keep track of them. And now they're about to lift Title 42, you know, potentially very soon, and we could see those numbers triple. I mean, that's amazing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke with someone the other day, actually, who said that most of the field operations are knocked off of the Border Patrol agents. That's basically, they're used to that by now, that they are not on the front lines. And that's actually why I plan to go to Yuma, Arizona, when Title 42 ends, because that's an area that experiences a lot of gotaways, like you said, as well as has the major problem of unmanned spaces of the border. And so you see people crossing there constantly. You actually see people that are wanting to turn themselves into Border Patrol, Uh, that wait hours and hours and hours. Actually, I just 
had a source send me a picture of migrants who showed up from Peru in Yuma the other day, just about two days ago. And he said that Border Patrol handed them water and left and then came back a few hours later. I think they were still waiting about four hours uh, at least before Border Patrol came back to pick them up and process them. So there is this issue of unmanned areas of the border. It's obviously taxing Border Patrol having to deal with this influx. And so it's probably likely going to get worse under Title 42 being lifted. And that's something that DHS is ultimately preparing for, they say. Um, But a lot of the plan is really just for expedited processing rather than what Title 42 offers, which is expedited removal. Absolutely. They seem to be preparing to just make sure they can get more in the country quicker um, and process them, as you talk about, as opposed to doing blocking and protection and all those other things. Um, how bad do you think it could get under Title 42? Um, because people are describing it as just such a crisis. And that's not that far away. Do you think Title 42 is going to be lifted, Jenny? I'm not sure about the likelihood, given what's going on in the court. But if and when it's lifted... Um, especially if it's lifted May 23rd when the plan, uh, when CDC said it would be lifted. Um, You know, I am concerned that things are going to get really, really bad. I don't know if you remember, but last September there was an incident in Del Rio, Texas, where thousands uh, of Haitian migrants showed up under the international bridge there. And that small, small border town with very limited resources was completely overwhelmed by it. Not just Border Patrol, but every part of the infrastructure of the city that had to step in to help. Um, You know, those numbers, uh, actually the NGO there is seeing similar numbers now to what they're getting to what they were getting when that incident was occurring. Wow. So when I hear things like that, it, it helps me gauge a little. I can't always predict what it's going to be come Title 42 being lifted. But certainly right now, it's a very busy time. It's kind of this middle zone where it's it's hot down there, but it's not as hot as it gets in the summer. So it's kind of the prime time for people to cross. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, this is the moment. And if you think if it does get lifted, and we're talking just a few weeks away, that is going to happen really soon, if potentially. And it's going to be I think of floodgates, as you've talked about. Jenny, thank you very, very much. How can everybody check out the videos? I've been driving them to your Twitter. How can they check out these powerful videos with all your interviews with the folks coming off the buses? Yeah, you can absolutely check them out on my Twitter. It's at Jenny S. Tear. Thanks so much, Rita. Oh, fantastic. Great work. And let us know when you go down to Yuma. we got to get you back on the show then, Jenny. Thanks so much. I will. Thank you. Great work. Really powerful stuff. Everybody got to check it out. When we come back, we're going to take your calls on the border. Also, all the heightened rhetoric against Supreme Court justices, that and much more after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Mercy, mercy me, especially pray for those people at the border because things are going to get a lot worse, as you just heard from Daily Caller's Jenny Terror, who has spent a lot of time at the border and also was just interviewing all these migrants who are on the buses. And she said that some of these locations 
are already being overrun by the amount of migrants that they're experiencing right now. We're like the towns can't handle it. And we saw a lot of those images, remember, like a year ago. And now we're seeing this again. Remember that scene of all the Haitians under the Del Rio Bridge? Well, a lot of people are predicting that we're going to see a lot of that coming up as well. And in fact, um, there was a report that there are somewhere between five to 10,000 Haitians that are literally in like sort of a tent city about a mile into Mexico, a mile from our southern border, and are just waiting for May 23rd. So if indeed Title 42 gets lifted, they're just right there and they're just going to be ready and be one of the first ones to walk across the border. We are going to see lots of scenes like that horrible scene of all of them living in that tent city and very difficult conditions in Del Rio, Texas. Many people are predicting over and over again. And you just heard from Jenny, too, that people also dying, too. We know a border agent also died. Remember, it was a National Guardsman. Bishop Evans died trying to save some migrants. And now she just said she got a report Sadly, of a child from Angola and his sibling, both of them had drowned trying to cross the very difficult currents. So it's a tough ride for these folks to get there, uh, swim in many cases, obviously long walk through heat, difficult conditions. And then also now border agents totally overrun. And if you think the crisis is bad now, it looks like it's going to get a lot worse. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Francisco on line three. Francisco, your thoughts about this. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. I, I agree completely. The idea that we're setting up conditions that's going to encourage desperate people to take desperate measures, risking life and limb. I mean, I was sick when you talked about those babies. Children getting killed trying to cross the Rio Grande River. I mean, what's wrong? I I, I love the fact that people want to come here. I'm from an immigrant family myself. But what are we doing when we don't show any basic human decency to try and manage the process and protect people? It's heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking. And, Francisco, you heard what I said because... I don't blame people wanting to come to this country. It's the greatest country in the world. And I'm I'm first generation American. So, uh, you know, my father, when he saw American troops, thought it was like a mirage. Uh, he couldn't wait to come to America. He kissed the ground. Literally, when he came through New York Harbor, he said he was in tears when he saw the Statue of Liberty and, and what it represents. And, you know, you want the best. And, and to hear this, the problem is, they are being already overrun, and it's not being managed. It's an open border, despite what Alejandro Mayorkas tells us. Uh, but you, you're absolutely right. It is so heartbreaking to hear. Francisco, thank you. Let's go to Phil on line two real quick. Phil, your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, hi, Rita. Uh, look, the thing is, I, I live in the Bronx, and you've got a lot of illegals up here now, more, more so than you can imagine. And what's happening is a lot of the stores are hiring them in the Spanish neighborhoods and the mixed, mixed uh, ethnic neighborhoods, they're hiring them for like, you know, like 25 bucks a day to clean and, and stock fruit or stock boxes or whatever they do. And, and this, 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 a lot of these people are sleeping like 10 in a room. Absolutely. And this is not this is not America, the promised land for them. And. Unlike the immigrants of old. Hey, Phil, hey, Phil, do me a favor. Stay with us if you could. I'm going to have you stay with us. We're going to continue talking about this after the break. More on the Rita Cosby Show. I am so sick at a time where crime is skyrocketing across this country. 
that there are soft on crime DAs like George Gascon in Los Angeles. There's Alvin Bragg in New York. You got that guy in Philly. Don't forget the guy in San Francisco. Boy, we got a bunch of doozies around the country. And how are you going to crack down on crime and send a message to criminals, particularly repeat offenders, if the DAs are allowing this revolving door? And one of the worst ones of the worst at the revolving door, maybe I should say one of the best ones because he seems to be really good at the revolving door. It's going like 360, 24-7 because they don't seem to want to put anybody away is George Gascon in Los Angeles. This guy is really incredible. And in the last few days, we saw Dave Chappelle, remember the comedian, was up there on the stage, and a guy comes up and attacks him suddenly in the middle of the show. And now it turns out, of course, it comes under the purview of D.A. George Gascon. And guess what? George Gascon doesn't want to charge the guy with a felony, which would be a much more serious offense. He wants to basically give him a slap on the uh, wrist, the uh, uh, which seems par for the course moment, with this guy. And, and now Dave Chappelle, in the last few hours, through his attorney, says, no, 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 so this guy should be charged with a felony because um, the guy was so carrying basically I, uh, like uh, kind of a mock gun that had a knife inside of it. And he lunged at him and attacked him on the stage. Luckily, there were security guards, and they were able to deck the guy and pull him away. But, I mean, this guy is clearly has a screw loose. You can bet he hasn't done this. the first. This isn't the first time. He's probably done it many times. He was so brazen to go up in the middle of an event. He clearly is mentally disturbed, but he clearly needs to be locked up. And to give him, like, basically a slap on the wrist, well, now, tonight, David Chappelle's attorney is saying this is an outrage. There should be a felony charge, clearly, against this guy. What about like attempted murder? You know, what about something like that? My goodness. I mean, if he had been successful, Dave Chappelle might not be here anymore. I mean, it really is crazy. It is so crazy. It's like, what does it take for this guy? And there's another case that came up where this guy was also trying to reduce the enhancements that would increase penalties and basically ensure that repeat offenders would be behind bars. In a recent case of a mother accused of murdering her own daughter, it's a really gruesome, horrible case of torturing her daughter. And this mother, George Gascon, didn't want to give these enhancements that would have guaranteed stronger time. Uh, What is wrong with this guy? Well, no wonder there is a recall effort underway by many people, including people who work for George Gascon. This guy is so bad that the deputy DAs who work for him want to get him out because they are concerned that he is endangering Los Angeles and not helping the victims of crime. So tonight, coming up in about 10, 15 minutes, we are going to have Deputy DA John Hatami joining us here on the show. He works for George Gascon. But he is outraged at the way that this guy has been soft on crime, believes he is a huge part of the problem with repeat offenders, giving them low or no cash bail and seeing them back out on the streets. And he believes that this guy is a big danger to Los Angeles and to America and not helping victims first and foremost. And uh, John and Tommy is going to be here to talk about all of these cases and also the recall effort that he is in part spearheading to get rid of his boss because he feels he is a danger with his soft on crime approach. Boy, wouldn't it be great if they did that to other DAs around the country? Not just this guy, but get rid of all these people who are not 
protecting our communities. To me, I say bravo to this guy, and I'm excited that John Hatami is going to be joining us here on the show in about 10 minutes or so. Here's a little bit of George Gascon. Take a listen to him and the way he talks about police officers. If this guy shouldn't be in office, I don't know who should. Take a listen. My dad used to say that uh, when you wrestle with a pig, you both get muddy and the pig likes it. That's the way he described the top cop in Los Angeles as a pig. And this is the guy who's the prosecutor who's supposed to be protecting the community with that kind of rhetoric. That, to me, is so out of line. And this guy, he shouldn't be in office. He is in the wrong job. Get out. He should be uh, working in a pigsty, (laughs) working somewhere. If he likes pigs that much or hates them that much, whatever the case is, it's horrible. And to have that kind of rhetoric and you have somebody who's the law enforcement officer, that's the way that they handle cases. You can imagine the mindset that goes into him when he's making decisions. And no wonder that he's giving so many of these repeat offenders a pass. And law enforcement in L.A. is just fed up with this guy, as is many of the people who work for him, including John Hatami, who's going to be joining us soon here on the Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, we are talking about what's been happening at the border and the crisis that we are seeing, because it looks like Title 42 is probably going to be lifted in just a few weeks. We just heard from Jenny Tare of The Daily Caller. And Jenny was sharing some of the discussions she's had firsthand with the migrants who are getting off the buses, and a lot of them don't know where they're going. They don't know why they're in a certain city. They don't know where they're being taken. They don't know what to do. They don't even have sponsors. Some of them had a sponsor, but then doesn't know where the sponsor is. The sponsor's not calling them anymore. Uh, they're telling these horrific stories of how they're getting there and the cartels and the beatings and just, oh, it's it's so horrible. And we have to be able to do something to help these people, but we also have to protect our country. And our border agents are just overrun and outmanned. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, who was talking on Cats at Night about crime and immigration. We have a case from uh, the Obama administration. It was a U.S. Supreme Court case written by Justice Kennedy and three of the liberals, and I think Justice Ken, uh, Roberts joined them, where they said that, you, that Arizona could not pass their own laws, couldn't really defend their own border. I think that case was wrongly decided, and I think the results are what we're getting now, which is where te- states like Texas and Arizona are being overrun with crime and with human trafficking and with uh, drug trade. And we're supposedly supposed to sit by and watch as the Biden administration invites the cartels to expand their network and, and bring more of it on. That cannot be the right answer. So Texas and a number of other states are joining forces and suing the Biden administration saying it's basically a dereliction of duty because they just can't handle the onslaught. And the Title 42 hasn't even been lifted yet. They're expecting it to be three times worse when that happens. Boy, this is going to be a crazy time and a dangerous time for everybody involved. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Let's continue with Phil. Line two. Phil, your thoughts. We had to cut you off. Sorry, because we had a hard break there. But go ahead, Phil. Right. Gotcha. OK. The deal is that the streets are full of these people. They're making 20, 20, 25 dollars a day doing odd jobs in stores. They have no papers whatsoever. They're not just E-Verify. Forget about E-Verify. You've got these people selling stuff on the street. They're picking up, going through people's garbage, picking up possibly saleable items, used items. They're, 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 you've got a large number of 
of these public assistance food stamp centers in the Bronx. I couldn't believe it because a friend of mine called me. He says, you got to see this. A block, uh, about a four-block long line to get in to apply for Medicaid food stamps. My point is, where is this mega money coming from? Well, the Biden administration says, well, don't worry. We'll pay for all these people. We'll give them Medicaid food stamps. We'll give them housing. The thing is, they, they don't realize the public does not. The public is really dumb. They don't realize that all these new taxes that are coming up, the unrealized assets on rich people and all this, this is going to be used to support a $2.3 trillion budget just to take care of these migrants who do not acclimate into society. They, many of them have been here for several months. They don't even attempt to learn English. They don't have anything in common with most people. They don't even have a place to live. They're living in one case uh, in the Bronx on the Grand Concourse. You've got you've got 10 people living in a room. Wow. Okay? This well, is no, no, no joke. It's, by it's the way, fat. Phil, did you hear, too, um, uh, when Jenny Tear from The Daily Caller was talking about the people she interviewed, there were a whole bunch of them from Angola, you know, from the African nation of Angola, and they said they're going to Maine. And I'm thinking... Like, like, where, where are they going in Maine? How do they pick Maine? Like, they're just going to, and it didn't sound like they could speak English. Wait, wait, wait till the winter comes. Wait till January and February come in Maine. I've been up there. You're talking minus 15, 20 degrees. And, and, and you can't, if you don't have a decent job up there, you're not going to get a place to live. But the point is Biden has is financed, he's openly financed tens of dozens of these not-for-profits in the major cities to take these people and give them benefits. They've, they've steered them to benefits, which the taxpayers, you and I, are paying for. This is complete insanity, and it sets a precedent because you look at where these people come from, the countries that they come from. These people are not wanted in their own countries, a lot of them. A lot of them have criminal records. I'm not all of them, but many of them have criminal records. They're not wanted in their own country. And to come from Africa through South America, through Central America, to the United States, boy, it must be pretty desperados. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you know, obviously not all of them do, but you're right. They're not being vetted. That's a huge problem. You hit it on the head, Phil, with a lot of the issues because they are not being checked. And a lot of them, once they come through, first, they don't get vetted. They're not getting vaccinated. They're not checking the criminal history in, in the home countries. They're not even checking often if there's a criminal history in this country, let alone Angola. You know, what are they calling the uh, Angola uh, criminal prosecutor to say, hey, let's look at your records, you know? And then they're giving them basically, hey, here's either a cell phone or here's an ankle bracelet sometimes. Most of the times, not even either one. But if they give them something or they give them a notice and say, hey, come in and check in with your official in six months or in a year. And the percentage that actually do check in, I know you know the number. It's like less than it's like nine, eight or nine percent that actually check back because why nobody follows through. Nobody checks them. They're like, wow, I'm in America. Wow. Fantastic. Phil, thank you very much. Let's go to Tom on line five. Tom, your thoughts about this. Hi, Rita. Hi, Arita. Always a pleasure speaking with you. You too. Uh, you too. It's, it's really getting bad at the border with the weather getting warmer now and Title 42 being lifted. It's only bringing illegal aliens, bringing illegal immigrants, whatever you want to call them. Uh, these people <laughs> coming from, you know, 150 different countries. Like you said, I just heard what you said, not being vetted, you know, and um, and there's a lot of people that don't like America that are coming here, you know, and there's gonna be, they're going to help create anarchy in this country. 
this is only going to help the uh, this is only going to help the communist cause and the socialist cause in America and around the world. And how sad yeah. is that? Absolutely. And Tom, you know, by the way, I was just seeing a headline that illegal Chinese high value targets have just been arrested in Texas. So you know what that means? That means a couple of folks who were not wishing us well were just arrested. And we know that like 42 that were on the terrorist watch list got arrested, too, you know, in in recent weeks. I mean, that's a lot. Those are just the ones we know of. That doesn't include the six or seven hundred thousand gotaways. So this is really a huge, huge mess. Great point. So let's go to Thomas on line six. Thomas, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead. Yes, um, I think that money is being filtered through the panhandle, uh, you know, down to South America, coming back in credit cards and counterfeit bills. And uh, these people are, you know, I live in a town where these people drive new cars and they're controlling all the cars and buying up all the real estate, the real estate goes up and the rents go up because it's easier to buy with counterfeit money. That's a great point, Thomas. You're right, because they're using a lot of illegal funds. And by the way, uh, when as we're talking about border and all those issues, there is so much in terms of drugs, um, in terms of human smuggling, counterfeit funds, as you're talking about. There is so much illicit activity. Great point. Let's go to Mary real quick. Line three. Your thoughts, Mary. Um, Rita, just, you know, a while back, the news was reporting that a lot of Democratic um, senators and congressmen were advising the president not to do this. Where are they now? Yeah, you're right. What are they saying now? You're right. And, And a number of them still feel the same way. Uh, they got a little sidetracked this week because of the whole Supreme Court, the leaked opinion, because they're all fired up on that. Um, but you're right. Uh, they're still very upset and they're waiting to see because right now it got adjudicated in the court. What happened was a federal court stepped in, a judge stepped in and issued basically an injunction. And it was a 14 day injunction, I believe. So that, you know, that should expire. That was a couple of days ago. So it would be in about a little over a week. Um, so the judge basically said, OK, let's put a stay. Let's put it on hold uh, for 14 days and then let's hear the case. So they're looking at hearing the case, deciding what's going to happen. But there is a good chance that it could get lifted at the on May 23rd or maybe the judge says no. And the you know, and those folks who are against it um, can convince the judge and do filings. And there are a number of people who are doing filings saying this should not happen. Texas and and Florida and many of these states are doing it. So and some Democrats, as you point out, in fact, I mean, it's amazing. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, a number of the Texans, uh, Democrats from down there. But also there's folks like uh, Maggie Hassan um, of New Hampshire. She's against it. And she's against it because there's a huge fentanyl problem in, in her state, you know, in New England. So, I mean, it just goes to show that basically every state's become a border state and hurt by the drugs and all these things. But let's see what they'll do. They've been voicing concern. But so far, this administration doesn't seem to care. At least they seem to be still full steam ahead. The question is whether a court will stop them. And we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, great question, Mary. Very, very much. And everybody, when we come back... We are talking about crime at the border. Now we're going to talk about what's been going on in America. 
And we're going to talk about one of the softest on crime DAs in the country, George Gascone, who now comedian David Chappelle is saying, what are you kidding me? You're only going to charge that attacker with a misdemeanor who rushed me on stage. The comedian is outraged. Many people are outraged. And the soft on crime DA, well, guess what? People who work for him are pushing for a recall. And we're going to talk to one of them after the break, talking about crime in America and what needs to be done to tell these soft on crime DAs enough. We have to fix our streets and get rid of the crime and get rid of of these people who are just giving criminals a slap on the wrist. We're going to talk to John Hatami, Deputy LADA, after the break, 1-800-848-9222. Except for a uh, soft-on-crime DA like George Cascone, he could change your life. He could give you a free pass, and that seems to be something he is doing time and time again. Here's a little bit of him talking about giving basically criminals a free pass. People still serve lengthy sentences for serious crimes, but by eliminating the enhancements, we ensure people have at least a chance to show that they have grown and changed over time. Well, it seems that George Gascone, who is now in the midst of a big recall against him that's gaining a lot of steam, is taking a lot of heat, and now also from Dave Chappelle, Because remember the other day, the comedian had an attacker who jumped on stage during his show. The attacker had a knife attached to a replica gun. And instead of going for a felony with the attacker, George Gascon's basically going for a misdemeanor. Another example of being soft on crime. And joining us now to talk about all of this and the effect of soft on crime DAs across the country. But I think really epitomized in the case of George Gascon in Los Angeles, is someone who actually works for him, who is pushing for Gascon's recall, Deputy DA of Los Angeles, George uh, John Hatami. John, great to have you here on the show. Rita, thank you so much for having me. You know, John, it's always great to have you. And I have so much I want to ask you about. Um, First off, I want to get your take on this Dave Chappelle case, here's the comedian. He's on stage. Um, it was so scary to see suddenly gets, you know, a guy comes out of the audience and lunges at him. It turns out he has a replica gun with a knife attached. And tonight, Chappelle's attorney is saying this is outrageous. That Gascon is only charging a misdemeanor. Yeah, this, this perpetrator armed himself with a knife. He placed it in his backpack. And he went to the Chappelle show. So obviously that shows he was planning on doing something criminal, something violent at the show. And so while he was at the show, the perpetrator rushed the stage with his backpack. He had the knife. It was folded. It was inside his backpack. And he violently knocked Chappelle down. So with everything I see there, uh, I would recommend that the office file a felony 245A4, which is assault by means likely to cause great bodily injury. And so you're, you're talking about a violent, violent act, violent conduct, a vulnerable victim. You know, Chappelle is not thinking someone's going to come up there and tackle him and knock him to the ground. Uh, you know, the tackle was violent. It was sudden. And it could easily cause a head injury to Chappelle. In addition to that, who's to say that after the perpetrator knocked Chappelle down, he wasn't going to take the knife out of the backpack and hurt Chappelle? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, John, do me a favor. Stay with us if you could. We're going to go to a quick break. 
but I want to definitely continue with you after the break. This is so important. We're talking to Deputy DA John Hatami of Los Angeles about his soft on crime boss. Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a really powerful story coming from Tierra Verde in Florida, where this is a great, uh, just an amazing story of this individual. By the way, the United States Department of Defense does honors and it does top honors to recognize acts of valor performed by soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. And they chose to recognize from Tierra Verde, Florida, retired Colonel Sam Martin, who received a total of four silver stars during his career for gallantry in action against an enemy of the United States. Major Sam Martin distinguished himself by heroism while participating in aerial flight as a pilot over North Vietnam in March 1967. On March 19, 1967, he participated in a high-speed bombing attack against a vital thermal power plant deep in hostile territory. Now, despite extremely low clouds, fog, and also marginal visibility in haze conditions, Major Martin bravely flew through intense hostile defenses to deliver his high-explosive ordnance right on target. Upon pull-off and departure from the target, he was subjected to extensive anti-aircraft artillery fire, and he successfully outmaneuvered a deadly SA-2 surface-to-air missile that was coming towards him. Imagine this guy. Wow, what he uh, endured. Well, the outstanding heroism and selfless devotion to duty displayed by Major Martin reflects great credit upon himself and the United States. That was the message from the Department of Defense when they were giving him an honor recently. By the way, Martin served 22 years in the U.S. Air Force as a pilot. What a great story about heroism. And imagine uh, what that must have been like in March 1967. I love these stories where we get to honor our great men and women in the military and their families. Love doing our Support Our Heroes segment every night here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about this great country and also law and order and what has been happening, particularly with these soft-on-crime DAs like George Gascone in Los Angeles. And there's a lot of soft-on-crime DAs, as we've talked about. Alvin Bragg has had some really soft-on-crime approaches about no-cash bail so far in New York. We've heard, you know, Governor Kathy Hochul basically saying, well, you know what, give him basically a pass. Let's give him some slack. Let's see how he's doing. Well, he's still doing it. So at what point do some of our elected officials say, enough, Do you know, come on, you have to keep the citizenry safe. That is first and foremost, not trying to give these repeat offenders passes over and over again. And it's happening with George Gascon. Take a listen. Here is some of his rhetoric. This is the way he described the top cop, basically, in Los Angeles. Listen. My dad used to say that, uh, when you wrestle with a pig, you both get muddy and the pig likes it. Wow. That's, uh, you know, a little too close for comfort. Remember when these people were marching down streets across America with the pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon? You know, and here he's describing the top cop as a pig. 
Wow. Well, right now there is a major recall effort against George Gascon to get rid of him. And it's spearheaded by a lot of folks. And in fact, right now, that uh, recall group basically has 400,000 signatures. So it's getting close to the chance where he could potentially get recalled. And joining us is one of the folks leading that effort. And he actually works for Gascon, uh, Deputy DA of Los Angeles, John Hatami. Uh, John, uh, describe for us, first of all, the recall and how it's going, because there are a lot of people around this country that would love to recall a whole bunch of DAs and are watching what you guys are doing in L.A. very carefully. The recall is starting to look look more and more like it's going to happen, Rita. Uh, we had actually over 400,000 signatures. We need 566,000, and we have about two months to do it. Uh, the deadline is July the 6th. And so we got to work every single day. We got to work hard every single day. Um, we we can't give up. But I do believe, and I am confident that at the end of this, um, we are going to have enough signatures to get the recall of George Gascon on the ballot. Wow, that is stunning. Now, what does he say when he sees people in his own office who feel he's not doing a good job? As I think a lot of people feel watching his record uh, with appeasing criminals. It seems. I mean, he, he's reverted to name calling. Uh, he's reverted to, you know, calling us racist. Uh, he's reverted to calling the mothers of, of murdered children um, uneducated and telling them to shut up. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a narcissist, so he pretty much mostly just cares about himself. But what he does is he lashes out uh, any time that anybody challenges something that he does. And the problem is, is this is a person who doesn't have any experience being a prosecutor. He's never tried one case. He's never walked into court. And like you said, he's, a, he's an elected official who actually called the sheriff a pig. My wife is a police officer. She's also the mother of my children. She goes out there every day and makes sure that the community is safe. We can't have the elected DA putting down police officers because it makes their lives uh, at jeopardy. It's, it, they, they put their lives at, at risk. By, by putting police officers down. So he has a tendency to put down everybody, uh, calling people a lot of different names, instead of actually talking about the fact that his policies are a failure. He doesn't care about public safety. He doesn't care about accountability. And he doesn't care about following the law. And that is very, very scary. Um, you know, John Hatami, I want to get your reaction to this, um, because not that long ago there was a murder suspect in jail overheard on his calls praising Gascon, saying, boy, that guy's a hero, and talking about getting a tattoo to honor him even. Um, I, I want to play a little bit of it and then get your reaction because it's so chilling to hear this. Take a listen. It's looking real good. Now we got a new DA in L.A., so they're going to – I got court on the 14th, fool. Right there in Compton, Thursday, so they're going to drop a gang of um, – like my gun enhancement, my gang enhancement. My gang enhancement's 10 years, fool, for being a gang member. And then – the gun and the commission of crime. Nigga, huh? Gas- Gascon or where the f- I don't get that n- name on my face. That's a champ right there. Gascon. That's the n- right there, bro. He's making the story changes for all of us, fool. You know, so I'm just grateful, fool. Like, I got good news off that. <laughs> so at least now I know, like, they're like, you're coming home, blood. Like, they already told me, my lord told me, you're coming home. I'm coming home. Isn't that 
unbelievable. I'm going to put, you know, a tattoo of him on my face because that soft on crime DA basically is a champ. Of course he is to criminals. And he was talking about these enhancements. And we continue now with Deputy LADA John Hatami. John, you know, there's other cases like this. Um, and I certainly don't want criminals out there praising the DA. That's not a good sign. You want them to fear the DA, as you know. Um, and yet there's other cases, too, where he tried to reduce a potential sentencing enhancements for a mother accused of murdering her daughter. Um, explain what he is doing with these lack of enhancements and how this is not helping the victims whatsoever. First off, I mean, think about what you just heard. The only people who think George Gaston is doing a good job are murderers, rapists, and gang members. I mean, think about that. Those are the only people who think George Gaston is doing a good job. He's supposed to be protecting the community, protecting families, and protecting children. But all he's protecting is murderers, rapists, and gang members. And that's really, really a horrible situation in Los Angeles. In addition to the fact, Rita, if somebody is killing somebody, murdering a child, killing a police officer, raping a vulnerable person, committing a hate crime, these individuals need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. That provides justice for the victim, accountability, and public safety so that person doesn't get out of custody and hurt or victimize another person. George Gaston can care less about that. And the only time he ever even comes out and says something is when a victim is wealthy or is well-known or is involved in the media. So when you're a child and you're murdered and you have no money and you're not famous and nobody knows who you are and you can't vote, that's the individual that George Gaston doesn't care about. But a good DA, a real DA, should always fight for the most vulnerable in our community. And George Gaston has completely failed to do that. Absolutely. One thousand percent. You know, and everybody, we're talking to Deputy LADA, John Hatami. I just think you're such a you're such a hero for victims. Your whole life has been dedicated to prosecuting individuals and protecting the victims. And especially you've worked with the I know child crimes, too, um, which are always so difficult. Um, and you are so supportive of helping the victims and bringing the perpetrators to justice. How important is this whole part? I just want to explain because our folks listening from, you know, all over the country, how important is it to make sure that you have a DA who is taking crime seriously uh, and and how it breaks the cycle if they are basically sending the message to the criminal versus a soft on crime DA like George Gascone, where you are and Alvin Bragg in New York and all over in San Francisco, you look at there's a lot of examples, sadly, around the country. And I don't think it's a coincidence they're in cities with skyrocketing crime. I mean, think if you were the parent of that person uh, who said that he wanted to put the name of George Gascon on his head and you're the parent of the victim. So you're the parent of, of a child or, or, or a person that was murdered and you hear the murderer wanting to put the DA's name on his forehead. The DA is a very, very powerful position uh, everywhere throughout the United States. And, and we have allowed George Soros and small groups like him to, to install DAs who do not care about us, who do not care about the community, who do not care about following law and order, and do not care about public safety. And I think all of us need to step back and rise up and change it. 
Um, you know, there are families that are in jeopardy. There are children that are in jeopardy. And you need a strong DA, a good DA who's empathetic, who cares about public safety, who cares about the community, and is willing to follow the law and fight to do the right thing. And we just don't have that here in Los Angeles. I know you have a big problem in New York City. I was born in New York, and I have family there, and I'm concerned for their safety as well. I think so. all of the United States needs to come together and start making some changes and realize it's important to vote for a good and strong and empathetic DA. One thousand percent. Well, I wish you so much luck with the recall um, because we have to keep our streets safe, our city safe, and make sure that victims feel that justice has been served uh, to the best, at least, that all of you can. Um, John Hatami, the deputy DA in L.A., thank you so much for joining us. you got to come back on again soon, John. We always love having you on and appreciate your great work for the country. Thank you so much, Rita, and thank you so much for what you do for the victims and for survivors uh, and for everybody here in Los Angeles. We're very, very appreciative of it. Thank you. Thank you. We're always with you. Thank you so much. And everybody, we are talking about crime. And that's why when in this rhetoric right now, in this time where you've got these soft on crime DAs that we just heard John Hatami so eloquently talking about, and he's right there on the front line of the fight. He knows what he's talking about. We got to make sure that criminals are held accountable. And we also have to make sure that threats are kept in check. And that's why I want to go back to what we've been talking about in terms of the leak that happened with the U.S. Supreme Court. Because now, in the last 24 hours or so, there are so many people across the country that are now responding to these calls of maybe doing protests in the churches this weekend, maybe even going up and showing up at the justices' homes. To me, it is 1,000% outrageous it is so over the line and the far left doesn't seem to have a problem with that i figure this out they're soft on crime like john hatami was just talking about many of them are you know many of them are giving a free pass to criminals and yet they also didn't condemn the riots that we saw and all the quote summer of love that took place all over the country in la and new york and so many cities and Streets across the country. 2020 was just a mess and you never heard them. And now they're just like shouting to the rooftops after this leaked decision from the Supreme Court. And now there are groups in the last 24, 48 hours that are all over on social media and elsewhere sending out petitions and asking people to show up at churches this Sunday on Mother's Day. It is so outrageous and it is so over the top. And I want to hear your thoughts because I am extremely concerned as we're heading into this weekend with the kind of rhetoric that we're hearing from them where they're saying, quote, we must rise up to force accountability using a diversity of tactics because they're not happy with the opinion that came down from the highest court in the land. This is just the draft opinion, but they don't like what's in the draft. So they're going to basically rule by fear. Boy, do we have our priorities so out of line. Take a listen. Here is Charlie Hurt, uh, of course, conservative columnist and pundit. And he said it is just outrageous because so far the White House has not condemned these people that are suggesting church services should be disrupted and that it's okay to protest outside the high court justices' homes. Take a listen to Charlie Hurt. 
Why don't we hear anything from the White House? Because to this White House, the ends justify the, justifies the means. These are the exact same people for who, for two years, we had riots around this country leading up to the last election. And because the, the people rioting were in political alignment with the people, the current occupants of the White House, they condoned it. They celebrated it. Uh, the, the sitting vice president actually raised money to get rioters out of jail so that they could go back and participate in those de deadly riots. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is politics by thuggery. And, and until somebody stands up and does something about it and stops this, they will continue to do it. And I agree with him. Politics by thuggery. There are, listen, there are people who do not like what this draft opinion said, and there are definitely many Democrats. It seems like almost every single Democrat is going to be using this for political objectives. They're very passionate about it, but now they're saying it's going to take away all these other rights. They're going to this extreme and now they're getting their base so ginned up in this climate where crime is escalating. We've got violent crime escalating all over the country in huge numbers. And then we've got soft on crime DAs, as we were just talking with John and Tommy about. And now we've got people protesting, saying blank you to the justices and saying that they're going to show up at their homes and talk to their family uh, basically terrorize their family and also show up at church services this weekend. This to me is so outrageous and it's so dangerous in this climate where criminals are getting a free pass in a lot of big cities. And why is the president and his press secretary, Jen Psaki, not condemning it? Well, Charlie Hurt says she's not only not condemning it, he believes that Jen Psaki and also the president are basically pushing for this, which is really dangerous. Take a listen. You know, not only is Jen Psaki um, try, basically encouraging uh, this behavior and encouraging what, what could lead to violence against sitting justices, she's also lying about the police. Um, she, she's, uh, you know, the, the, the point of, the, of, of Judge Alito, Justice Alito's opinion is that, that abortion should be something that's put up to the voters. And what I think is very interesting is that the White House is so apoplectic about the idea that voters would, would be in charge of deciding such a thing. Really scary stuff. What do you think of the fact that now a lot of groups, a number of liberal groups are kind of joining together the far left and planning on disrupting church services this Mother's Day. And they're also planning on protesting outside the high court justices' homes. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll take your calls when we come back. Well, the justices are trying to issue opinions as they see fit and live their life with their families. And they deserve privacy even if you don't like where they may rule on decisions. And now that we're hearing this group, which is called Ruth Sent Us, is planning on going to do protests outside their home. They've published the supposed home addresses of a number of the justices who they say are, quote, extremists and are ruling against the way that they would like on Roe v. Wade. And so they're it's my way or the highway. If they don't like the decision, they're going to show up at the home. If they don't like the decision, they're going to show up at church services. Boy, things are really, I think, getting out of control. And I think we cannot allow people to rule by mobs and rule by thuggery. They need to be out there peacefully protesting. I'm all for that. But when it gets to going in front of someone's home or disrupting church services or making veiled threats 
This is so over the top. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sherilyn, actually, in Ontario, on line one. Go ahead, Sherilyn. Hi, Rita. Um, I just wanted to say that that Roe versus Wade issue you have in the States, well, it traveled right up here to Canada, right after it hit down there, and they're protesting up here, and our prime minister has now asked the Minister of Health, the Minister of Women, to get together and make some kind of law that it can never be changed in Canada. No matter what party gets in, nobody can change it. Oh, that's interesting, because obviously Trudeau, I'm not surprised, because I would assume that that is where he also stands, you know, politically. Um, let me ask you, the protests, how how have they been, and how do you think the Canadians would feel if suddenly their justices were basically, with their home addresses published online? The ones that are probably for it would probably do the same thing. I mean, they get just radical. Um like they're protesting in Toronto and in Ottawa already, you know, just thinking that we got to do something to stop this. And uh, it's like, I, I don't know. I just, it, it, it's how fast it traveled up here, though. It's like I've often said to my husband, it's like there's no border between the United States and Canada. It's like we're all just one big country sometimes, you know? Yep, absolutely. Boy, that is really interesting that it did come up there so quick as it's only been a matter of days. It hasn't even been a week. Sherilyn, thank you. Great to have you call into the show. I love that. Got to call back again. That was wonderful. Let's go to Nancy, line three. Nancy, your thoughts? Nancy, hi. Um, I just find it. Stunning. When you look up respect in the dictionary, it's to hold in high regard. And these people that are writing on Mother's Day and being encouraged to do so, they have so much respect for themselves and their moms. This is crazy. Yeah, I agree with you. There's something really unseemly because it is Mother's Day and it's a church service. And it's like, go into the church. And they are saying we must rise up to force accountability using a diversity of tactics. That's scary. And especially at a time right now where crime is skyrocketing, police already are stressed out, unappreciated. Uh, This, to me, is just a cauldron and really dangerous. And I just hope it is a safe weekend, everyone. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.